You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. So the big watch hand, you know, the one that looks like an arrow pointing at time, that's time's arrow. And it's pointing at 7 p.m. Pacific time, making it 10 p.m. Eastern time. And that means it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. <laughs> I'm Holly Amos. And tonight we are back to discuss Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 4, Watcher. And after seeing the activity on social media about this episode, we know you have things to say. So you know what to do. Just click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and the password. You'll be in the Earl Green room. Yeah, so while you're waiting to get in, while you're waiting for Earl to queue you up, so kick back and pour yourself your local favorite beverage of choice. Mine will be Saurian Brandy in a coffee cup that looks just oh, like this. Mine is conveniently local, too. It's Los Angeles. <gasps> I didn't even do that on purpose. The tennis forward. Well, it really depends. I mean, I might be able to grab that bottle if the bartender lets me have it, but we'll see what happens. And and before we get into that, let's see what's happening in our amazing chat. Hello, everyone in chat. Hello, Bob Amos. Nice to see you at the number one spot, as always. <laughs> my dad. I like that. I'm going to put a gold star, even on my monitor, where I know that that gold star is going to peel off. I'm going to put it right there waiting for your dad to show up, because <laughs> that's where he deserves to be. Uh, hello, Paul. Uh, Admiral, good to see you. Scott Palm. Evelyn, nice to see you. Carlos, Cosmo, uh, Chris Riker, what thing? I don't know. The thing. You know that thing, right? We're all talking about that thing. Uh, let's see. Sam, hello. David, good to see you. Uh, let's scrolling down, scrolling down. John Arminio, uh, probably the best name in chat next to Cooley, but I haven't seen Cooley yet, so John Arminio takes pole position on coolest name so far. Alan. Well, no, Alan's too, but it's harder for me to read Alan's name because I always say Simons, but it's Simonis. And I probably got that wrong too, but either way, I'm sure Alan will let me know. Uh, Cat Mike, good to see you. Um, Earl has posted the notes. So you make sure that you call or one tap or use the password, do the Zoom thing and get yourself in line to talk about this show. Uh, how you doing, Holly? I'm good. Did you like, you like, did you like my joke? You didn't like my joke? I couldn't tell. <laughs> I, just, I, couldn't, I, couldn't I feel tell like you're trolling talking. people because that's the main conversation, right? Why doesn't, why doesn't Guinan remember Picard from time zero? And I had the same question until I did timey-wimey thought process in my brain. There's uh, some timey-wimey stuff that's going on for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of timey-wimey stuff. I felt very, I felt, I, I mean, I had to watch this episode a few times and my brain was very pretzel afterwards. Well, I mean, the great thing about having everyone here calling live and, you know, we can talk about it because when you get like a lot of eyeballs on like one subject, you can see things from a lot of different perspectives. And that's I think that's going to help out maybe and just kind of like see where we are. But everyone really needs to go see or look up Dayton Ward's schematic. Yeah, uh, the divergence <laughs> of the timeline because it's literally like Doc Brown style schematic from like Back of the Future. It's like Marty, here's where we went wrong, you know. And then all of a sudden, it's this blue line goes this way versus the red line that goes this way. It's kind of that simple, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Right? <laughs> it, well, it's not linear, but um, no, but it's uh, it's easy to it's- understand if if you can see it in your head i can see right. it in my head it makes sense to me i'm pretty sure this thing should be on some kind of a t-shirt right because we love t-shirts 
it'll look probably like you know like a, a uk like bus map or something like that or like the, the tube or an underground like train station by the time we're done with it so anyway all that aside uh just to make sure everyone's keeping score if you're playing the home game this week on mission log our coverage of voy continues i did save time voy continues this thursday with phage you know the one about the delicious greek yogurt it is right <laughs> The, the, you know, I, I think we got that right. And this time we're mixing it in with a heavy dose of delicious Starfleet morality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. Oh, yeah. And then also we have Mission Log Prodigy coming back. Ashley V. Robinson and I are doing episodes six through 10, and we're looking at it from the adult perspective. So make sure that you stay tuned for that. And then also we have the Mission Log, Orville and Mission Log Engage. Now they're going to be taking the week off this week. They'll be coming back with new episodes next week. So make sure that you go to the Roddenberry YouTube channel and then make sure that you like and you subscribe and share amongst your friends so that all the new episodes will ding you and let you know when they're available for you. That's a lot. Yeah. A lot going on, right? There's always a lot going on now. It's exciting. I know, right? As before, it's like, well, what's going on with Star Trek this week? I don't know. Only one show? Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, and we have a convention coming up, guys. I'm going to go to Mission Chicago. You heard it here, folks. You heard it first, or maybe second, because Holly just said that on Twitter, I think. Yeah, today. I did say it on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I'm just going to buy a ticket and go. What so. made you um, decide for Chicago? I, w- I think I mentioned this to a couple of people who responded to my tweet. Um, well, I mean, aside from the fact that it's the new, I've never been to Chicago. It's the new licensed convention. I, I'd like to see how Reed Pop does. Never, never? Um, what? First time? First time? Yeah, I've never been to Chicago. Awesome. No. Um, but I, I'd like to see Ken Mitchell again, for sure. Yeah, sure. Because we don't know how much longer he will be around. Um, yeah. So he decided to go. That's awesome. So everyone look out for Holly there. Uh, make sure that you wear I'm with Holly t-shirt so that you can find you. Make sure it's red, right? And uh, big letters and <laughs> yeah. an arrow pointing one way or the other so that when you take pictures, you know, you're standing with her. I'm with Holly. <laughs> like Disneyland style, right? Someone's going to do it. I really shouldn't have made that idea public. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so here we go. We're going to go into the recap because we have a lot to talk about. I mean, a lot to talk about with Star Trek Picard. Here we go. Season two, episode four, Watcher. Aboard the crashed La Serena, Picard and Agnes try to contact their away teams, but Rios, Raffi, and Seven are now out of comms range. Raffi and Seven have tracked Rios to a medical clinic, but are told he and Teresa, the doctor who runs the clinic, were taken by ice after being raided. After cloaking their ship, Picard takes Agnes to the currently abandoned Chateau Picard, where Jean-Luc explains to Agnes it was once occupied by the Nazis as his ancestors escaped to England. However, they discover that Agnes is fixated on the number 15, and they realize that the 15th is the date when they need to stop whatever Q has in store for this timeline, three days from when they crash-landed here on Earth, April 12th, 2024. After persuading a local punk to turn off his damn noise blaring from his personal speaker system, Raffi and Seven continue their pursuit for Rios on a local bus. Back on La Serena, Picard has Agnes beam him to Los Angeles so he too can try and track down the Watcher, And sure enough, as if the currents of fate intervened, he materializes on 10 Forward Avenue and realizes where he is, and most importantly, who can help him. However, after taking in what appears to be a ramshackle of a bar establishment, Jean-Luc is met by a much younger and far more cynical version of a woman who will become his best friend 400 years from now, Guinan. 
After berating a clerk at LAPD headquarters, Raffi and Seven are told by an onlooker that ICE is separated from the police, and that's where they will find Rios, who is in fact in an ICE detention cell, discovering firsthand via taser just how advanced 21st century justice really is. Back in 10 forward, Jean-Luc only lets Guinan know a very few details of his mission, but her sudden nausea confirms that he is telling the truth. Well, that and him knowing that she is an El Orion, which proves that he is not all he appears to be as well. Picard begs her to help find the Watcher before it's too late, but Guinan is packing up her life here on Earth for good, embittered with what she has seen over the centuries of hate, war, racism, and unspeakable evils mankind has done to themselves and to the planet. Time is running out to find Rios as Raffi and Seven break into a police vehicle, hack into its computer system to locate where he is, and steal the SUV because it's faster than taking the bus. Well, not according to Raffi, who isn't much of a fan of Seven's driving. Locking down Rios' coordinates, Agnes, who has made certain concessions in exchange for the Borg Queen's help, she locks onto Raffi and Seven and beams them nearby where Rios' transport is heading, Sanctuary District, near the U.S. and Mexico border. As they figure out how to save Rios from the prison transport back outside of 10 forward, Picard convinces Guinan to take him to see the Watcher by revealing to her his name and who he really is. She then takes Picard to a nearby park where she leaves him behind and at the mercy of several different handlers who are all possessed by the Watcher's influence until finally he comes face to face with Laris, or at least the guise of a powerful being who summons a doorway where she and Picard both walk through and vanish. Finally, outside Jackson Roykirk Plaza, Q entertains himself with a monologue only Picard would truly appreciate. And as he tries to punctuate his sentiments with a signature snap, Q realizes his snap has changed nothing, to which he replies, that's unexpected, he says, and most unfortunate. The end. Keeping it short, because we have lots of stuff to talk about. You consider that to be short? (laughs) Just shorter than what I usually say, right? Okay. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> okay, so lot time going to get on. Into, yeah, time to get into the lots going on. Um, first impressions. Um, uh, this is why I don't watch Doctor, Doctor Who. Who? <laughs> Too much timey wimey gives me a headache. I'm mm. with Janeway. I'm Indeed. with Janeway on this. Um, I appreciate all of the little nods. Uh, and all of the Easter eggs, mm-hmm. as always, because I'm that type of person. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a great episode. It's my favorite episode so far. So, so I love the title game that John and I do on Mission Log, and I kind of like where they're going with Watcher instead of the Watcher, which makes right. it more of like a, a a noun. But Watcher or Watch Her, I kind of dig. Oh, right? Yeah. Because there are like a lot of strong women, strong female characters in this episode that have a lot of agency and are driving the story. I mean, you have Picard's mom, you have Guinan, you have the board queen looking at Agnes all the time. You have Rafi and Seven. You know, Rafi and Seven, right. You know, you have Dr. Ramirez looking over Rios. You have Laris, you know, the watcher, you know, so watch her, watch Picard. Or watch yeah. her, watch Laris, watch Picard, watch Guinan, That's watch interesting Lula. that that's the connection that you made, because as soon as they said something about a watcher, I mm-hmm. immediately thought of who watches the watchers. Sure. The episode of TNG. Mm-hmm. I was like, we're the watchers. <laughs> we're I mean, always I, the watchers. Or we I are pers- in the future anyway. I personally went to Highlander because that's a character type on Highlander. Those who watch the people that 
you know, or the, the immortals who lead the story much right. like, I don't know, like what the watchers mean here, but you know, I, I thought it was an interesting, clever kind of like double entendre for the title. Um, welcome to Star Trek. Now I'm going to probably butcher her name. Uh, Ito Aghayeri. Yeah, that, that's, I don't, I don't know. I've only ever read her name. <laughs> I've so, not actually heard it pronounced. So young Guinan, I yeah. think that Ito was phenomenal. She's great. Just phenomenal. Also right? real jealous of her arm situation. Oh, like wow, she right? and like toned Jane way. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. You guys. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so I, th- I just think that she brought this, this weariness that Guinan has, but Guinan whoopee has a really good way of using it to her advantage when she's making a point, but not always kind of like universally world weary, but this Guinan, she is done. Stick a fork yeah. in her done, right? Yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. off this planet done. I'm like men in black, you know, evacuating like everything done. Like I'm right. She did a she did a great job of of channeling the Guinan that we know while adding that cynicism and not completely undermining the character itself. I love in this episode that they go like deep into or they commit, you know, to some of the dialogue. There's a line that this guy says that I applauded. I just flat out, I was there and I applauded it when she said, this century took off a hood and put on a suit. Pretty blatant. Right? Very blatant like, social commentary, yes. Yeah. I mean, this was as this was as definable, like audibly as Bella and Lokai were in their, you know, let that be your last battlefield was visually. Yes. You know, sometimes you just have to be like that on the nose and say, hey, you know what? This is reality. Listen. Yeah. You know, so not only is she talking, does she, she has a real, a lot of really great lines and not only does she have that one and, and a few others where she's, she's talking about the, the, the issue of racism um, that we are currently not currently continuing to experience. Um, but she also has a line about, did you know that they're killing the planet? So mm. there's a lot of social commentary on climate change as well, sure. which I appreciate. So and- not just with Guinan, but, you know, with Rios as well. I mean, you know, I was a former, you know, Southern Californian, you're a current Southern Californian and any Los Angelian would probably find, you know, a great deal of truth in what was happening with Rios and the raids and ICE and how, you know, uh, Hispanics or detained citizens, quote unquote, or at least detained human beings under the auspices of ICE are being treated. Yeah. Rafi finding the list. Oh, we just have to look up there. You know, a Hispanic male and a Hispanic female couldn't be that hard. And then it's like everyone. Yeah. She's like, there's so many. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a couple more points I wanted to bring up here because I know we have a lot of callers, but, you know, a couple of things that I felt very, very strongly about. Butterfly effect. It's impossible in a time travel episode of any stripe to try and contain the butterfly effect. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know. I mean, from the second they beamed in, even the little girl that saw Seven, are you a superhero? That little girl is going to be telling that story for the rest of her life. Like, it's you can't you can't avoid. But this is where you know, like myths come from, I guess. Right. It's like the but, well, I mean, like on Sigma Iosha, right? You know, uh, Doctor McCoy left his communicator. That became kind of like the storyline for like another video game later on down the road. But there's always going to be a fingerprint. I mean, Rios is his communicator still in the wind. Right. And I mean, obviously like he's, I mean, I was going to say Rios is actually the most egregious in in terms of butterflies, but Mm -hmm. I mean, stealing a cop car 
beaming out in front of all of those cops feels pretty bad too. Speaking of butterflies though, did you, have you noticed the butterfly symbolism throughout everything? Um, a little bit, but yeah. Well, the little girl in this episode, the first person that we see who is, she's not the watcher, but it's the watcher sort of like in her body. She's wearing a butterfly dress, but the name of the clinic, the medical clinic is butterfly in Spanish. And then there, the logo is a butterfly. And then they have like some butterfly art on the refrigerator. And, um, that seems to be a little bit of a running theme. I like symbolism. Well, I mean, I think it's important. I think it's yeah. more important than people may realize, and it's going to come back. I mean, there's a lot of details that are already kind of pinging off each other, like since the very first episode. But uh, let's see what our callers have to say. So we have a lot of callers lined up. Um, can't wait to hear from these guys. Chris is up. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, doing good. Good to see you, Norm. Where good are you today? Good to see you, too. I'm yeah. up on the balcony where Q is at the end of the episode. I literally, oh. just, I literally just screen grab the episode if I move. There's John. There's John Delaney. Does your snap work? Does your snap work? Let's see. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) something happened. Maybe. Something happened. You never know. (laughs) Yeah, but no, this is um, up on the Wilshire Grand Center. I have yet to go up there in person, but it is on my list because I know where it is. (laughs) This this building, this Barmel building, like I said last week, is the train station downtown. Mm -hmm. The, The subway station that I often go to. I was in downtown above. LA yesterday. Yeah. I was working with a client and I was like, oh, I got all the buildings. Right? So it's being an LA person watching this season. Like yeah. the whole yeah. car chase is like right down by Staples Center. That's They're what I thought. Around. Yeah. yeah. It's, They're just it's, going it's, around Staples Center in like a big circle. And the convention right. center too. You can see the yeah. convention mm-hmm. center when they stop. Yeah. You can see kind of like the angular walls, like the sides of like the building, like that, you know, around like the whole Staples Center complex. Yeah. They must have like put up those, those uh, concrete pylons and just let, like the stunt drivers, or maybe it is Michelle, maybe it is, um, you know, Jerry, like driving around that SUV, but basically in a giant oval. <laughs> yeah. If I was, listen, if I was an actor and I was given a role that needed to go on some sort of car chase or something, I would be like, I'm going to take classes. I'm, I want to do that. At least some oh, yeah. of it. I would want to be doing some of the stunt work on that for sure. They were like Starsky and Hutch, but like cooler and <laughs> way more beautiful but anyway so um what did you think of this episode chris i mean as holly and i were bringing up a lot of these aspects of uh, there's a lot of social media ire about it uh for on both sides when i say ire it's just i'm saying that there are a lot of emotional responses on both sides where do you fall with this episode i mean i i enjoyed it i i enjoyed sort of the the sort of shaky by your collar aspect of it because um, even if you go back, because sort of the, the argument is then, well, it's always Star Trek has been an allegory. But if even if you go back to, like, say, Private Little War, yes, it's veiled, but it's very, very thinly veiled, especially if you were watching in, like, the 60s. Like, it's very clearly that's Vietnam. And so whether or not you have that tiny amount of veil, I know I don't think we'll see. I'm, I'm liking it so far. Well, they don't. Um, so here's the thing is, like, they're in a time that is only two years away from where we are now. So it's not going to be thinly veiled. They don't have to thinly veil it. We're in the same time frame as they are. Right. There's, um, there's this whole, like, why are they making, um, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm generalizing what I read on social media, but why are they making things so obvious? I'm like, it's not, they're making them obvious. It's already obvious if you're paying right. attention. 
Uh-huh. Right. So it's not like they're saying like, oh, let's let's create this and, you know, this allegory about, you know, what's happening sociopolitically right now. It's not even an allegory. Because just again, turn on only, the TV. Yeah, they're just, you know, or watch something in yes. social media. I mean, there are reasons why people are fighting on social media because and not about this subject, but about the subjects in real time because they're happening. Right? No, yeah, I totally agree. And I would say I hope that I don't mind this. I would like to see that maybe further down the line we get to sort of the the solution part, the mm-hmm. like how do you fix this part because we haven't quite gotten there yet. We've gotten right. a lot of wallowing in that it's very bad and like it is very bad, but I would like a little bit more of how can you pivot, which I think we'll maybe get towards the end or in a couple episodes here. But the other thing, I'm curious what you guys take on this was at the very end, um, right before Guinan leaves, the card says, change, for change always comes later than you think it should. Oh, I wrote and, that quote down in my notes. So I, I get what they're going for is that change always happens. But to me, the way they phrased it, that's just a little depressing. But it's like it always comes later than you think it should. You well, always have to suffer just a little more. Well, and, I think it sort of it also sort of harkens back to uh, Cisco saying sort of something similar in past tense is mm-hmm. that like all of these terrible things had to happen for people to sort of wake up and want to make the change, which creates the future that they are, that they're enjoying with the Federation and everything. Um, and we know that, you know, without that, without that whole, the bell rights and stuff that the Federation actually doesn't come into existence. So I think it's sort of along the same lines, right? Yeah. It's a little bit depressing that we're going to have to experience some terrible things and we're going to have to, as a species and as a country make a lot of really horrific mistakes, but hopefully something good comes out of it because we learn. I mean, we all kind of like hold on to, I'm not going to say we all, but there's a certain segment of, of Star Trek fans that holds on to the ideal of what happened in city on the edge of forever, that in order for future to change, you know, in order for you know, uh, us to get out of world war two, Edith Keeler had to become the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb, so that her, you know, her plan for this universal peace actually wouldn't have thrown off the balance of power you know, between the Axis powers and the Allied powers. So is that what we're getting to? You know, it, yeah, it's a very much Edith Killer must die situation. It'll be interesting to see if that is kind of like the linchpin. Like if this person who may or may not be close to Captain Picard or Jean-Luc Picard, I should say, will he have to make a sacrifice for this person or of this person in order for the Confederacy to not exist? You know, that'll be an interesting and you know what? It's not outside of the realm of Star Trek, you know, not to borrow, you know, be self-referential, you know, in its material uh, if it's done so in a different and a little bit more original way. So it could happen. But I guess we're going to we're going to find out. We're only four episodes in. So, That's but, true. you know, I yeah. say only four because I think that it's always 26 episodes and it's <laughs> absolutely not. We're actually almost halfway through. So and what is this, 13 Another 13 No, episode? I think we're 10, aren't we? Is it 10? It was 10 last season. So I, I think it's 10. it's 10. I think this next episode is the halfway mark. Holy Moses. Come on now. <laughs> Going quickly. All right. Um, one last thing for you, Chris, before we let you go. Uh, yes. Um, for more rampant speculation, uh, I really want a Orla John Delancey scene. If Orla is yes. <laughs> I think she can definitely, she as an actress can hold her own against John Delancey. And if she is the sort of super being that she seems to be, I would love to see them sort of face off for at least a sequence. I think it'd be great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and she would be coming from the standpoint of like not knowing 
not really knowing aside from, you know, Elarian Tingle or whatever we want to call it, that she sort of like, you know, she inherently knew that Yara was supposed to be dead during yesterday's Enterprise. But their their run-ins in TNG are like very hardcore. Like I would like to see that too. That would be interesting. And yes, yeah. to, to have uh, actors of their caliber be able to work together on the same scene or scenes would be really, really, really beneficial. It would be a special moment for the audience, that's for sure. Uh, Chris, good to see you. You know, good to see you, my friend. And yeah, uh, um, thanks for calling in. Uh, you know, pipe up in the chat if you have any more questions. We'll see if we can get to them. There's a lot of great stuff going on in chat. And unfortunately, um, we are going to have to kind of like. I hate ignoring chat. I try not to ignore chat, but I'm going to actually pick, I'm going to pick a a chat um, idea here. Uh, Jane, I think Jane says, or let's see, Paradox says, someone says, is Agnes really the board queen? Jane says, it sure does look that way. I have a theory about that. Oh yeah, you do have a theory that didn't even occur to me because apparently I'm too focused on Easter eggs. (laughs) I have a theory about that and uh, maybe we'll hold on to that until maybe for later on. Uh, towards the end of the episode. Holly, please remind me if I don't remember, because I usually don't remember yeah. most things uh, anymore. So um, thanks, Chris. And uh, we're going to get uh, right on to the Vice Admiral. Hi, Vice Admiral, how, how are you doing? You Good evening, I'm sir. I'm great. <laughs> I'm great. I see Chris brought up some of the serious heavy stuff. So yeah. yeah. But you know, it's a serious heavy episode it's, for the most it part. It is. Yeah. It is, but but there's also some deep stuff, as I'm sure Holly, uh, if not yourself, Norman is ready to talk about, which is, of course, the supervisor. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, love all these kind of like uh, modern middle to upper management titles that they're throwing around. No, no, you know that's not where that's from. That's from Assignment Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, yes, we we had, there are a lot of references, obviously, to some. Big well, that door at the end was was. Uh, exactly the smoke-filled vault door look that Gary Seven's Gary Seven had. had. Yep. It sure is. If we see ISIS, I'm going to cry. So <laughs> well, I think we already have. Oh, you think? Oh, <laughs> yeah. You have a theory. How does how does Laris how do, how does whoever this supervisor is look exactly like Laris, if not because they're a shape-shifting being in the first place? Yeah, but not Romulan, yeah. right? So she no. doesn't have the Romulan ears. No, she probably wouldn't do that specifically because she's on Earth, right? Right. Actually, exactly. Yeah. I had an entire theory that Laris wasn't Romulan to begin with, even in the Picard that we saw. Oh, really? Season. Interesting. Yeah. I, I would agree with you, except that her backstory is well established in the comics that come before the first season of Picard. And there was no hint of that. And that's been described as canon. So I'm not sure that that can fly. I don't I don't think that comics are canon. Sorry. If it's no, not just, but they are connecting them the way that I'm just saying if I, if I don't see it on screen, I don't read it. I agree with you. But, you know, I'm just saying that that would that would break that at least. Yeah. But there's no reason why. Uh, I mean, we never know exactly who, who I mean, he was called the supervisor. Gary was. But what was her job? We only saw one episode. We never got the season. So is she really the one in charge? Was 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 Isis the. Uh, are the we real... seeing another shot at assignment Earth? For Paramount yeah, Plus? Is I that what we're we saying? Are. They say there's three shows in the works, and they didn't tell us what all three of them are, did they? Oh, my God. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it? That would Finally, be- after all this cool. time, we get that you know season finale backdoor pilot coming back to become a different thing entirely. That'd be fun. That'd be super it fun. Would. You know? It's so yeah. meta. Star Trek is so meta these days. It is. But that's like, like even like more meta. Right? Yeah. 
The only thing I, 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 I'm not sure about here is that is in the in the ready room piece of next week's episode, uh, the the Laris lookalike says that she's there to watch his timeline, not the timeline. Oh, see, I think I know so, what she means by that. I, I hope so because I have theories. <laughs> because you you wouldn't have this powerful alien race just protecting one guy i would hope i mean that would just be way too all right that's not really trek that's another show that's not trek not just but probably not this is my not just him though right like not not no his entire line right yes yeah right but in that line though there's something about that line that's of galactic import right Right. So you have to have somebody on there, like kind of just making sure that, okay, it's kind of like Kenobi looking over Luke Skywalker, right? You know, you don't really have to be there. You just have to make sure that nothing happens to him. I mean, he can like skin his knee, you know, or, you know, he can, uh, you know, risk himself, you know, trying to like, you know, bullseye womp rats in his T-16 back home because they're not bigger than two meters. But anyway. Or go to know, visit his friends at Tashi Station, whatever it Exactly. Takes. You know, you know, he can waste time, you know, whenever his chores are done. But the point is, is that they're too important to not, you know, to, to not at least govern in some way. You know, or nudge in the right direction. Um, so we'll see. That that I mean, I think that seeing Laris at the end, or the the character that has taken Laris's appearance, it's too important that the the Laris at the beginning of this season was making a point of trying to establish this deeper connection with Picard, and then going nowhere with it up until, and then you have her inserted at the end here, right? Because is- nothing nothing is. I, I don't really feel like the writers ever put anything in that's not of some sort of importance, even if it's a ways down the road. Right. That's why you think that the character we're seeing is the lookalike is, in fact, possibly Laris somehow, or that Laris at least is you know, of the same type of watcher. I don't know. It's, yeah. I mean, after seeing, here's the thing after seeing kind of like the, the grandiose, um, idea of the species 10c you know from discovery i like that you're not just i i think that the writers are trying to flex a little bit and say like hey you know what let's play with some even larger powers out there you know larger abilities you know larger consequences um and see where it goes you know i i think it'd be interesting to see if there's like even like a more influential galactic power out there that can even say keep the queue in line well somebody's turned off his powers yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? So, <laughs> so. we will see. Um, and uh, we have just a little bit of time left for you here, Vice Admiral, before we take a break here mid-show to talk about the audiobook. Sir, is anything that you'd like to get across just one last time? I uh, would just like to say that um, this uh, this episode was certainly a lot more fun than half of the episodes of Picard have been so far. This was, this was really wonderful. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if they continue down that, you know, escalating path of, of getting better and better. Not that I don't love Picard. I do, but this, this was, this was great. This was really great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought I had a lot of fun with it too. Um, and again, with, with a self-referential humor, like, you know, seeing, um, you know, Kirk, the punk, you know, on the bus, mm-hmm. it's funny, yeah. right? It's funny. It doesn't have to mean really anything about anything. Laugh, move on. There's a lot more show to get to. That's the way I saw it, right? Yeah. So, um, and I hope others saw it that way too. But I know that, you know, there are the detailer nitpickers out there that have, you know, that see everything into everything. And that's okay too. 
right? Opinions vary. True enough. All right. Thanks, Vice Admiral. Good to see you. Norm, Holly, good to see you too. See you again soon. Take care. All righty. Should Bus Punk have had like AirPods and just been sort of like singing under his breath? That's what I feel like should have happened. But I know that what they were trying to do. So, yeah, you know, there was that thing. (laughs) I I saw that out there on social media and they're like, you know, shouldn't he be like, you know, listening to like uh, beats, you know, by Dre with his iPad, uh, you know, maybe like singing out loud to I'm like, yeah, that you could do that. But then it wouldn't be funny. And then I, I mean, I know that they just wanted like a full on reenactment of that, yeah. of that sequence. So. Like, come on, man. You know, it's just, it's, it's just goofy. <laughs> I laughed. I yeah. laughed. Um, so we're going to tell you all about, you know, something that we have uh, been covering the last few episodes. And that is the Star Trek Picard audio drama, No yeah. Man's Land. Speaking right? of the extended universe and things that are canon. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, you've heard this before, but we just want to let you know again, just to make sure that you enter for your chance to win. So if you want to win your copy of the Star Trek Picard audio drama, No Man's Land, simply post with our hashtag Mission Log Live and the book title, No Man's Land, and we'll announce a winner on the show every Monday night for the next few weeks now. It started six weeks ago, and now we are into our, I believe, third week so we are going to we're going to have our winner announced at the end of our ad break here but before we do that sal is going to tell you a little bit more about the audiobook i am going to tell you more about the audiobook okay so no man's land takes place between seasons one and two of picard so it is canon Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven of Nine and Rafi are enjoying some much-needed R&R. They are interrupted by an urgent cry for help. They team up to rescue a mysterious, ageless professor endangered by a vicious Romulan warlord. And our lead characters tentatively explore the attraction hinted at in the finale of Picard season one. Are we kind of seeing some of that too? This mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, no Man's Land is an original, fully dramatized Star Trek adventure written and produced exclusively for audio, complete with authentic sound effects for a fully immersive and seamless experience. No Man's Land is the work of Kirsten Beyer, who is the co-creator, writer, and producer for Picard, and Mike Johnson, who is a veteran contributor to the Star Trek comic books publishing program at IDW. Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine and Michelle Hurd as Rafi, of course. They are joined in this full cast audio dramatization by a host of talented actors playing all new characters, including Fred Tatashow, who we know as the voice of Lieutenant Shax from Lower Decks. So mm-hmm. more Star Trek <clears throat> alumni. Star Trek storylines have long challenged assumptions and contributed to real world cultural progress. And the same sex attraction as the basis of No Man's Land continues this tradition. No Man's Land is published with the full support and participation of Star Trek, CBS, Paramount Plus, and the creative and promotional teams. So even if you haven't won it yet and you still want to, you know, purchase it. I highly recommend it. I have listened to it and I'm sure that we will have a mission log live covering that. But until then, make sure that you follow the rules, make sure that you hashtag out uh, our, our, um, on on our Twitter official mission log, Twitter address at mission log live. That's hashtag mission log live. Make sure you put the book title in your, um, in your feed, make sure that you say no man's land so that when we look for the next winner next week, we have that. And this week, Drum roll, please. I know we don't have a drum roll. And I'm sorry. I'm, I I'm terrible at that. That's whip roll. That's Adam <laughs> L period dash J period at Big Base Bones. So congratulations, Adam 
at Big Bass Bone, or you are at Big Bass Bone. Now, Adam's a professional bass trombone player, according to his Twitter handle. Are you a Riker fan, Adam? Let us he know. He also, according to his Twitter, lives in Long Beach. Hey. Oh, fellow SoCaler. So very, very cool. Congratulations. Enjoy uh, that special audiobook, which will make your ear holes happy. I can guarantee you if you're a fan of also Picard and a fan of Michelle Hurd's and Jerry Ryan's voices. I am. I am. So um, thank you so much. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter. Make sure that you get your uh, hashtag out there. Make sure you enter for your chance to win. All right. So let's get back into our next caller. Our next caller looks like it's going to be Dave. What's up, Dave? It's catchy. In the, um, are we in the, in, in the, the Chateau Picard's field? Yeah, I think we're in the Chateau Picard fields. Is he covering That's up La right. Serena? You're, you're La Serena's cloaking device right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, hello, Norm and uh, Holly. I really appreciate you talking to me, taking the time. You know, hello. I really like this episode. <clears throat> However, the first thing I thought of was this one made me think the most about the timelines. And I apologize if you guys have gone over this because no, we have not. I, I, I didn't, knew that. I it's going to come up. Yeah. yeah. We were waiting to the whole show. Yeah. We were waiting to bring it like we were waiting to bring that into like the organic conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the question for me because I've seen a couple of representations of it and I even made one myself to try and figure it out. So the first question is when Guinan does recognize Picard by name, by name, does she recognize his name or mm-hmm. himself from an alternate reality? That's the question. Yes. And then it leads to this. If this alternate reality does exist, then how can the two realities that we're seeing be mutually exclusive? They're not. They exist separately. If mutually exclusive, why are Picard and friends trying to change some event that happens on April 15th rather than just return to the reality they belong? That's something to think about is... Because timey wimey. <laughs> so you know, Holly's the past. The past is the future. Don't get me started. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Holly and I were talking about this uh, before we started recording, and basically, I think a lot. So, as Star Trek fans, we like having a lot of our things either explained away or be able to be explained or be able to dive into with enough lore and, and enough factual information inside universe and canon canonically to be dis- explained. But mm-hmm. I think it's because we don't know enough about the the powers and kind of like the abilities of the Elorians to be able to use that as some type of um, like a litmus test against kind of like the series of events that are going on like right now. We don't know exactly what they're capable of, but we do know based on yesterday's enterprise and based on, uh, let's say, in generations that they can sense when things are temporally askew. Right. Like she Which knew... Is- Right, like How you said, she, Holly. She knew yeah. that Yar. You know, you're not supposed to. Yesterday's enterprise. She's like, you're not supposed to be here. And Yar's like, where am I supposed to be? You're supposed to be dead. Like, right. She doesn't but, know anything more than that. Like, she's like, I don't like that. I don't know how I know that. I don't know why I know that. I don't know how you like. She doesn't know anything more than like you're not supposed to be here and you're supposed to be dead. It's very well possible in today in in today's kind of like uh, the way that everyone ha- are telling their stories in this multiverse. You have the multiverse of Marvel. Now you have the multiverse of Star Wars. You have the multiverse of this, that, the other thing. It's very well possible that the El Aryans live in infinite time. You know, they have, there's this quantum theory of kind of like, you know, what, what uh, say Tom Paris experienced in Threshold, that he was in, you know, this quantum singularity of time where everything exists exactly the same time. But maybe that's where the El Aryans can just, they're not, they exist 
in infinite time, but they can only understand certain things about each version of themselves in that infinite time. Right. So I don't know. This is all speculations. You know why? Because I have no idea what I'm talking about. This is, this is all <laughs> fantasy. This is all science fiction and fantasy. But what we do know about Guinan is that she knows when things are wrong. Right. And I don't think that she, she didn't recognize Picard. She just recognized that something about him was special. His name. Mm. I think right? she recognizes his name. Perhaps. But it was enough for him to say, like, you know, I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to, I haven't told you my name. Here's my name. And then she's like, she wasn't like, I know you or like, why? It's just, okay. Now they I'm going to take you. They were very smart about that. Yeah. Right. Now I'm going to take you to the next stage of your journey. It's not me. Mm-hmm. It's this next person, right? Who I'm setting up as being this really, really threatening type of character uh, that even scares Guinan, or at least this version of Guinan. So, yeah, they're very vague. They're vague booking this uh, very well, I think. Um, so it sounds like what you're trying to say, Norm, is watch episode five. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's we, what we, the writers want you to do. So yeah, 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 you're doing a fantastic job at us being like, what does it all mean? And I can't I'm wait trying to the con- next episode. Yeah. I'm trying to condense like, you know, the five page PDF that they told us to tell the audience about, you know, but, you know, bullet points, I'm telling you, they're, they're just as difficult as trying to make sense of all this time travel. But here's the thing. And this is the chat out there also. Even if you can't make sense of all this, the, this, the, the temporal you know, equation of all of this, are you being entertained? <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, is it entertaining up to a point where you're like, you know what? If I just turn my brain off and not try to connect every dot, yeah. it, makes a, it makes just enough sense. Right. You know, or, or are we in this kind of like in this era of being Star Trek fans where everything has to be connected in every single possible way or it fails? Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to get to that point, right? It's not fun. <laughs> you know, it's just not fun. I mean, yeah, some things are going to be blatantly wrong. Yeah. You know, forget the writers. You know, they're only human and maybe they didn't do their homework. I get that. But some things are going to be incredibly right. Right. And those are the fun, spontaneous stuff that creates, you know, all these different side stories, like with Raffian Seven and with Rios and the Doctor, you know, or Gerardi and the Board Queen. And I have a theory about that. But I'll get to that later. <laughs> We're still holding off on that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the timeline stuff, like I had to watch this episode a couple of times. And my, I think my original question was the same as everybody else. It was like, why doesn't she know him from the, from the events of time zero? Time zero didn't happen. That's yeah. That's what I understand. Again, I, I love Dayton's schematic of the whole here's, Here's what you need to understand about this episode. Follow this blue line and it takes you here. Follow this red line and it takes you here. And then just scroll backwards and there are like paragraphs of explanations of what this means and what that means. Read this. And then get right. That's that's what I came up with is that despite the the apparent divergence on April 15, the two timelines exist separately, even though they're sort of adjacent to each other. Right. Um, so in the one timeline, time zero happened in the one timeline, it didn't. And that's the one we're in now. Right. So that's exactly what it is because exactly, whatever, but- whatever this change is that Q made, that's like, that's they're in, they're in an entirely separate. So the future is not a thing anymore. Our future, the Federation future, they're in, they're in the past of the Confederation. And, right. and that's just what leads me to the question is if they're not mutually exclusive, meaning they both exist separately. 
Right. So, or I mean, you know, a lot of people see it as like branches, especially if you talk about Star Trek 2009, there is a change in that timeline that branches off and is the Kelvin universe. Right. And yeah. then those are parallel to each other. Um, and that being obviously that the neurotic goes back in time. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I understand temporal stuff doesn't mean that I enjoy turning my brain into a pretzel. <laughs> yeah. But hey, you know, it makes a great conversation. <laughs> we're yeah. coffee in Jackson Roy Kirk Plaza. Yeah, well, that was cool. I mean, oh like, my god, you guys, so many, so so many, so, so many, many Easter, Easter eggs. eggs, right? Uh, yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, Roy, Roy Kirk, yeah, uh, Floyd's Barbershop. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because you have Roy Kirk. I always had this theory that the R in James R. Kirk and Where No Man Has Gone Before is actually Roy. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. I know it's probably not, but that's my theory. Then you have uh, Kirk R. Thatcher, right? Who was on the bus. A lot of Kirk going on in this yeah. episode. Right? Um, yeah, but the, the, I, I just treat Easter eggs as, the, as that. You know, like, like my, nice little nuggets of where old fans, like, you know, will be like, <laughs> all right, so. Yeah, I mean, even the bus yeah. punk doesn't really fall into the whole, you know, the Federation doesn't exist. And, you know, he references his neck, which, you know, he's he's remembering the neck pinch from Spock. But, you know, if we're in Confederation, like, but here's the are actively being killed off and maybe that's not a thing. So I just sort of had to remove my brain from that and be like, that's a nice little shout out to something that we all enjoy. I mean, Star Trek four is my favorite movie. So I was like, yeah, that's technically fun. his third appearance as the punk, but not on a bus every time. And he uh, he did voiceover for one of the shorts because oh, really? one of his very close friends directed it. Ephraim mm. and Dot. Oh. He's really good friends with Michael Gacchino. OK, yeah, yeah. So he, he, uh, he did voiceover work on, on one of the shorts. So, yeah. all right, well, we have, uh, we're going to get, um, Alan on the phone here. So Dave, uh, any last thoughts or no. are you, are you okay with kind of like juggling all this information? Cause that's a deep question. Like, you know, are we enjoying like all these multiple timelines? Do we need to make sense of them? Do they exist? Are they mutually exclusive? How does this all fit together? Or, I mean, um, where, where are you going to land? Like, is this going to like in any way kind of like distract you from your enjoyment of the show or you're just going to. Yeah. Can I accept it for what it is? No, I'm not one of those people that lets those kind of things affect my enjoyment of the show. I just, I'm very interested in the, the philosophy or the concept of that and wh- how they explain it or how it's to be explained, I guess. But I guess I'm sort of compartmentalizing that versus the show. I mean, uh, I mean, who doesn't like it? It's very entertaining, right? So. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it was this for me has been one of the more, if not the most entertaining Picard episode that I've seen between the two seasons, but maybe it's because that it's, it's very familiar, like, you know, car chases in the 21st century, you know, seeing, you know, Raffi and, and, uh, and seven kind of like, you know, do their laps around Staples center Plaza, oh, you know, or, or seeing kind of like something that's almost looks like you're like right outside of LA and you're headed towards like Riverside, you know, or Irvine, you know, like oh, where, 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 where Raffi was going. It's Irvine not called Rios. Staples center anymore. Oh no. <laughs> It's not called State. LA Live area. I don't know what the center's called, but it's, it's called crypto.com. <laughs> crypto.com. Okay. Dang. Yeah, it's it's they renamed it. It's we just found the divergence arena. in the timeline. We just found the divergence in the timeline. It's when they renamed Staples Center to Crypto. Yeah. I yep. yes. There it absolutely. is. Absolutely. All right. Uh thanks, there Dave, for calling in, man. Appreciate <laughs> no it. Problem. Good to see you. All right. Enjoy. I will never not call it the Staples Center. That hurts. That I hurts know. me right in the feels. Wow. <laughs> That's so not good. All yeah. right. <laughs> Alan, what's happening, man? Cheer us up. 
Say something. Uh, well, uh, you know, I've, <laughs> I, as, as a native suburban Chicagoan, I feel the same way about Sears Tower. It's Sears Tower. It will yeah. always be Sears Tower, no matter what else they decide to call it. I it's not even... Sears Tower anymore? It is not. No. no. But it's not, you know what? It's not even out of some sort of like gatekeepy spite or anything that mm-hmm. I have. It's that it's completely like it's always been the Staples Center to me. And it's just yeah. a habit. Like, I'm not going to be able to call it the crypto.com current arena or whatever. Like, it's just, I can't exercise that out of myself, I don't think. Oh, no. Yeah. It's just, you know, you get, you know, I mean, locked, you know, not locked in as in a bad way, but, you know, you make patterns, your, your brain interprets things in certain ways. And it's like that, that building is that thing, no matter what it ends up being, you know, kind of like going by, um, I live, you know, in my town, I can, you know, go by and, and see all of the, ex fast food restaurants that have become new fast food restaurants, but they haven't changed the exterior. And it's still like that used to be a Taco Bell. I know it used to be a Taco (laughs) Bell. Um, I'm I'm looking at you pizza barn, not pizza. uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's, there's a a chain of barbecue restaurants that, uh, that is notorious for that. And the first one is right by my college. And it used to be, uh, it was when I went to college, it was a pizza hut. Then it was a police dispatch center for, for traffic uh, citations. And then it became a, a barbecue joint. So, okay. The police <laughs> one is a little bit wild card. Yeah. You know, you, you got to throw a little gonna, variety in there. I'm not even going to go with the obvious pun for that. Not even yeah. going to go there. Not even going to go there. So uh, we have, um, we have just a little bit of time for you and a little bit of time oh, sure. for Paul. So um how did you feel like, did we get to everything that we should be talking about in this episode? Or did we miss something? Did we miss something for you? Oh, well, no. I mean, just, I, I, I'll echo kind of what you, what you were just talking about um, that. Yeah. The show is enjoyable. This was a very fun episode to watch in a lot of ways. Uh, and in, in many ways, yeah. The mo- uh, one of the more fun episodes of Picard overall. And yeah, if we're, if I'm enjoying the episode, things like where does this fit and how does this work and all of, you know, canon issues in general are pretty low on the agenda in in terms of it, am I enjoying this? It's like, yeah, it it's either good or it's not. And how it, you know, technically works itself into the greater fabric of Star Trek is sort of secondary because I think you know, a lot of times when people think of canon issues first, then we get into kind of bad fanfic territory mm-hmm. and, you know, sort of some of, you know, I'm not going to make any judgment calls one way or the other on on certain things, but bad, you know, I, I, I think we can agree that there are some novels um, we'll we'll just say there are some Star Wars novels that are lesser because they happen to be these you know things where oh we're just going to make sure that uh, everyone meets Han Solo and you know no matter what happens everything sort of runs through him. Um, oh, it's what, like Michael Burnham. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm watching Paul Harvitz's reaction in, in the green room. He's like, Ooh. Ooh. hey, Earl, can we bring both of these guys here at the same time? I want I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to 
I'm going to step around that landmine. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, but yeah, but you know, I mean, but I mean, speaking of fan fiction, I, I have, I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to Discord, but I've been having a lovely time creating my own sort of headcanon for Punk on the Bus and what he's been up to in the past 35 years and how, uh, you know, because uh, Kirk and Spock and everybody may or may not have gone back to 1987, uh, he never uh, encountered them on the bus, but maybe, just maybe, a certain uh, marine biologist who was smarting after the betrayal of having her whales taken away too soon might have gotten on that bus instead. Mm-hmm. And maybe the these two people have struck up a conversation and maybe an unlikely romance blooms. Maybe he liked Italian. Exactly. Maybe, maybe he liked Michelob. Who knows? He said Michelob. Right? Yeah. You're writing they, something about Jillian Taylor? Is something? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Who isn't? Yay! <laughs> I love Jillian Taylor. Yeah. She's, she's great. If if it were to be like an alternate, you know, Star Trek four that's just about those two characters, the log line on the poster would be they stole her whales, he uh she stole his heart. <laughs> the, the captain's log line. So, yeah, there you go. Yes. Um I, I, this is great stuff. And Alan, you know what? Alan's on Discord. Yeah. If you want to read more of his original material, join us on patreon.com slash mission log. Join our Discord. Only a buck a month. And you can see read the some food of this fantastic material. Yeah, and exactly. See, see all the, the stuff that's I going make. on. See the things I do. And know the stuff that he I, writes. Know that I went to Hades Town over the weekend because I posted about that too. These are the interesting <laughs> things you can see only for a buck a month. Just think, exactly. Just think of wonders to behold. All right. Um, thanks for calling in, Alan. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That. Have a good one. And right. uh, take it away, Mr. Harvest. He's. Is Hello. He, was, yes. Paul, were you I'm, agreeing with me or are you going to fight oh, me on it? Yeah, no, I, that was hilarious. It's <laughs> a, a great one liner. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think I sort of agree, but we've got Chicago to talk about it. And I just hope it snows for you. I hope it's like 12 degrees and snowing for, for Holly when she lands in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, I don't like snow, so I'm going to say I hope not. That being said, I did pick out my costumes the other day. Only one of them is new. It's not really a costume. It's one of my like after hours sort of inspired by Trek Boundy situations. And knowing that we were going to be in Chicago, um, it is a sweater dress situation. So I did Ooh. think about it being cold. So. Well, you've been added to the uh, Chicago Meetup group on Facebook, so feel free to comment there. We're hoping sure to, have. to meet up and uh, have a kickoff party on Friday night for everybody. So, uh, uh, yeah, I uh, I think I'm coming in on yeah I'm coming in on Thursday, and then I'm okay. leaving on Monday, so I'll be uh, there the whole time. Excellent. Uh, I just got a couple points. I, I thought this is a you know for a next gen Picard super fan, this is just everything all rolled up in one. But I'm left with two thoughts that that. You know, we talked about in the green room, which I think are probably probably the most interesting. I want to watch um, Gerardi and the Borg Queen in the card game at uh, on the Enterprise just to see who wins that. You, you want to see them play poker with the crew of the Enterprise oh, with the rest of them? Okay. Yeah, because they're going to wipe out them. They won't. Even, they're not even entities, but the two of them. You know, trying to one-up each other in a card game, I think would be sort of fun, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean, that's... He's leading right into my theory. I, I can't believe it. Paul's 
<laughs> he was leading right into my theory. Wow. So to give you time for your theory, I have the, the one other point. When Q does that, yeah. is, is that the Q that told Picard to go backwards in time? Or is it a Q in that timeline? That's a good question, right? That's a good I th- question. I mean, I think that it's the latter. The Q of this timeline? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm thinking he, I'm thinking it's the other way around. I mean, I, a couple of weeks ago when we first, I was the one who said, I think Guinan's going to be back there. And I, yay, I was right. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, that would be a fun one to figure out. And yet I think it's actually the current Q trying to play with, play with the whole situation, but he's lost control. And now, the Laris thing is really a cool twist. I, I just love that. I, I, I hope. I hope that 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 uh, Vice Admiral's right. I hope they're going into kind of like this. That's like a soft introduction, maybe to reintroducing Assignment Earth to like a brand new audience, you know, and actually moving forward with it. I mean, think about it this way: Captain Pike only got you know a forty-seven minute episode. Forty-seven. Sorry. Right. Keep going. No, I mean, you know, or, or and he also got the menagerie, but you know, uh, Jeffrey Hunter only got like this much, yeah. You know, a sliver of the Star Trek pie, and now he's, you know, the character Christopher Pike is getting an entirely new series. Number one got even less time. And this is true. So more of number one. Thank you. So we're getting like the original stuff repackaged for a modern audience. You're getting Pike and his story. Now you're getting Gary Seven, possibly. And his story. Wouldn't that be interesting? There's so much to enjoy in this episode as a, you know, if you're just coming in or if just watch next gen and haven't seen the rest of it, I just, I find the whole show just so intriguing on an entertainment value. I mean, I certainly can't put any mind power to figure out what, what may or may not be happening in a false universe, you know, in a false fictitious kind of universe but boy the writing is is really interesting and even as a doctor who fan i can't explain what's going on i mean (laughs) he knows better than to step on his own timeline so these folks are just right uh, ramping up and and the rios experiment with this young doctor is going to be interesting to see how that plays out too this is like 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 entering like trenzalore like Convolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except there's no Daleks. We need some some weird things. So um, we're going to let Norman talk about what he wanted to talk about all night long. You've got two minutes, Norman. All right, so <laughs> let's hear it. There's a, there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot of attention being paid to the relationship between Agnes Dorati and the Borg Queen. Now, the Borg Queen, I think that she is, I think she's on the decline. You know, she's reaching out and she's trying to find a way to continue her existence because obviously she's programmed that way. What if somewhere along the line, say the next two episodes, the Borg Queen, as we know her, no longer ceases to be. But the only way that they're going to be able to repair the timeline is for a new Borg Queen to establish herself. What if that person is Agnes? What if she decides that, you know what? Maybe if she was right about me, maybe the only way that I can find belonging in, in my existence is to be able to actually control and belong to the hive. Because it's not like what the Borg Queen is telling her isn't in some way attractive to her. So I'm just saying that that might be a possibility just because of the way the relationship is firming up. Horrifying. I think it's awesome. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> it's, it's, a re- awesome. it's a really great theory, but like I'm thinking in terms of like, 
if I were Agnes, I would be scared. But I'm also just terrified of the Borg. So. But See, I think the- I think she'd be intrigued. I think she'd go for it in a second. Oh, I absolutely do. Yeah, I mean, from the standpoint of the, the entire discussion about belonging and stuff. Yeah. But here's the catch. The catch is what if she has the ability? What if Agnes's mind is so strong or so compartmentalized that she has the ability to become an individual when she needs to be over the hive? A new era of Borg Queen, a new stage of her development, right? I mean, why do we have to go with the status quo of just having a leader for the Borg, right? Why not something different this time? And they end up being the 10C. Ah! Yeah, right. And then you then you start, you know, uh, with pheromones and all that stuff. Yeah, but I don't know. I just, you know, why not? I mean, this is like this is an episode or this is a series that's prompting a lot of why nots, what ifs, right? That's I think that's the beauty and the speculation of having some great Star Trek in front of us. Is just you run with these ideas. Like that's why I'm not a big fan of people latching onto what is and what isn't working in terms of like past canonical details. That in 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 my opinion. That's like that's 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 planting yourself into a past that's already been established, right? You're only, you can only move laterally so much by using that information. You're never really moving forward with the ideas. You're never really exploring the. This could be really cool. Does it fall in line perfectly? No. You know what? Who cares? <laughs> you know, it, it has to be here. Are you entertained? Is it cool? Is it making your day better? Are you going to watch it again? Are you going to share it with your friends? Are you going to be excited the next time you watch it? Isn't that what matters, right? Isn't that the beauty of entertainment? No, sure. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say like, well, that didn't really fit and did it with like the aesthetic. Well, sure. There are going to be like deep cuts that can't be changed. You can't like, say like, you know, unpoint Spock's ears. You can't do it, right? That stuff, right? Or make Kirk like less amazing. You just can't do that, right? <laughs> but <laughs> what, I'm just, what I'm saying is that just have fun with the people. Just enjoy it. Have fun with it. Be inspired by it. Inspire others by it, right? And, and bring people into the fold. Introduce fans to a whole new generation of Guinan. Oh, my yeah. God, right? She's the such Guinan a great character. She was so good. I was just, I was just floored. And yes, her arms are sculpted amazing, right? Girl, anyway, get it. Yeah. We are out of time. So, Paul, that, uh, I was saving that just for you. You set me up with that. Thank you. For, Perfect, uh, brother. Peace out. <laughs> long and prosperous see you, All right, see you buddy uh that's it that's it holly i think uh it. paul paul really wants the bad weather for you because he can't he can't out zing you, 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 I, can't, you I don't i can't listen i can't drive there i have to make sure that i can pack all the costumes that i want to bring i'm being very selective i don't have room for my snow boots uh it's not no see the thing is, is that it's not going to be cold that way it's going to be like the windy city is it's like a knife through steel like that's Great. the win yeah fantastic not looking forward to it at all i'm just saying you know i just I'm, i want to be real with you you know I, I won't lie to you about the weather in chicago mm. it is not awesome um well at least not now but it does get better anyway fun show tonight right mm-hmm. fun yeah. show tonight we worked in uh times arrow and a possible borg queen new origin story so <laughs> and everything in between uh any last thoughts Excited to see where this goes. Uh, I want to know. Uh, I'm waiting on Adam soon. Who the hell is right? that guy? Yeah. Maybe soon. You know, yeah. We will see. Yeah. But you think that we just were getting a red herring and it's not going to be. Ad- I like I like what Paul was talking about. That maybe that this cue may be like the issue. 
right? That he well, said, I mean, we do we do see Picard like act asking him if he is unwell. So and then he he gets a little bit yeah. rattled. So right. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe this cue is already on the path. Uh, There's already clues that have been dropped. And I I watched the first three episodes over again. And there's a lot of stuff I picked up on now that we're further along. So I'm excited to get through everything and then rewatch it and be like, oh, I didn't pick up on that. That's what that was connecting to later on. So for sure. Yep. Writers are doing a great job. Fantastic. I'm excited. I'm excited too. And thank you everyone for joining us. I appreciate all the activity in the chat. Sorry, we didn't get a chance to talk to everyone there or even like, you know, talk about some of the, because there's so much good stuff going on in chat. I almost like wish that we could spend like one show, just like dropping an idea and then just talking to chat about it. But maybe that's completely different format. I'm just saying. Right. So Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live provided by the interplanetary expeditionary (laughs) Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. That's where you get all of Alan Simonis's original work and bonus material. Special thanks to my co-host Holly, who is always fantastic as ever here on Mission Log Live. And thanks to everyone who joined us live or who will join us later. Stay safe, stay healthy, Stay engaged, stay excited. We look forward to another episode with you on Star Trek Picard next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.